Welcome to the Word on Wednesday podcast for August 31. My name is John Mason. Thank you for joining us. These days, the success of a church or minister is usually measured in numbers. The bigger the crowds, the more successful the ministry. But numbers never impressed Jesus. He was much more interested in disciples, people who are ready to be taught by him and be guided by his good counsel throughout life, no matter the cost. Luke chapter 14, verses 25 to 33. Now large crowds were traveling with him, and he turned and said to them, Whoever comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and even life itself, cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry the cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not first sit down and estimate the cost to see whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it will begin to ridicule him, saying, This fellow began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going out to wage war against another king, will not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to oppose the one who comes against him with 20,000? If he cannot, then, while the other is still far away, he sends a delegation and asks for the terms of peace. So therefore, none of you can become my disciple if you do not give up all your possessions. In Luke chapter 14, verses 26 through 33, we find that huge crowds were following Jesus. Turning to them, he said, Whoever comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even life itself, cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry the cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. The choice between family affection and our loyalty to him is the first of two expectations Jesus sets out for all who would follow him. The startling word hatred with respect to family members lays out a principle, namely the need to subordinate every relationship, including our relationship with dearly loved ones, and even life itself, to loyalty to Jesus. This is not fanaticism. Rather, Jesus' focus here is rooted in the first commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul and strength. Now it's vital not to build doctrine on just one verse. True disciples instructed by the counsel of God's word will also be aware of the importance of family life as we find, for example, in Deuteronomy chapter 5, verses 16 and 18, in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 5, verses 27 following, Ephesians chapter 5, verses 3 through 5, and Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22 through chapter 6, verse 4, where Jesus speaks about the relationship of husband and wife and parents and children. Furthermore, elsewhere in his ministry, Jesus even commands his followers to love their enemies and not destroy them. In any age, and not least today, there are many who claim to be followers of Jesus Christ. 
But Jesus is telling us that unless our loyalty to him is not front and centre in our lives, our claim is meaningless. They cannot be my disciple, he says, not just once, but twice. Bearing one's cross is another expectation, as we read in verse 27. The sight of someone carrying a cross would have been a familiar sight to many of Luke's first readers. Hundreds were crucified in Galilee at the time. Jesus requires that any of us who would follow him must put aside anything that stands in the way of our loyalty to him and honouring him. J.C. Ryle, in his expository thoughts on the Gospel of Luke, comments, The demand which our Lord makes upon us here is particularly stringent and heart-searching, yet it is a wise and necessary one. Ungodly fathers cannot bear to see their sons taking up new views of religion. Worldly mothers are vexed to see their daughters unwilling to enter into the gaieties of the world. It's a heavy cross to disagree with those we love, and especially about spiritual things. But if this cross is to be laid upon us, we must remember that firmness and decision are, in the end, true kindness. How often has a firm but gracious resolve to follow Christ spurred family members to take Christ seriously? Two parables illustrate the need to count the cost, the tower builder and the warring king. Anyone who decides to build a tower, and it is their choice, will want to calculate the cost. To do otherwise is to invite the scorn of others and even threaten the success of the enterprise. Furthermore, it's a foolish leader or king who goes to war without evaluating the resources needed for victory. It's the wise king who, realising he does not have the necessary resources, finds a way to secure a peace. To follow Jesus truly is costly. It's something that God's people in every age should consider. With the pandemic over the last two and a half years, many good Bible-believing churches are finding there is a renewed interest in the Christian faith. How important it is that when introducing men and women to the wonders of God's grace and the hope of glory, that they do not neglect to explain the cost of commitment. For too often, people come into the life of a church with their own dreams and expectations. Prosperity, perhaps. Or thinking, God will let me live life the way I want. Jesus concludes his words here with the analogy of salt. It's a warning. Anyone who says they are his followers, and yet who lacks the quality of true discipleship, is like salt that has lost its flavour. Salt is good, Jesus says. However, if salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? Pure salt is one of the most stable compounds, and therefore doesn't lose its taste. However, it is generally agreed that the common salt in Jesus' day was impure. It was therefore possible that the sodium chloride in the material called salt 
could be washed out and thus lose its salty taste. It becomes useless. It's fit neither for the soil nor for the manure pile, Jesus says. True discipleship, he is saying, both preserves and adds flavour. True disciples are not bland and insipid. Rather, they have a cutting edge to their lives. Living a life of discipleship, no matter the cost, praying for and looking for ways to introduce others to the Lord Jesus Christ. So let me pray. Lord God, you know us to be set in the midst of so many great dangers that by reason of the frailty of our nature, we cannot always stand upright. Grant us such strength and protection as may support us in all dangers and carry us through all temptations. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Lord our Heavenly Father, Almighty and Everlasting God, we thank you for bringing us safely to this day. Protect and preserve us by your mighty power and grant that today we fall into no sin nor run into any kind of danger. Lead and govern us in all things so that we may always do what is right in your sight. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. A prayer for peace. God of the nations, whose kingdom rules over all, have mercy on our broken and divided world. Shed abroad your peace in the hearts of all men and women, and banish from them the spirit that makes for war, so that all races and people may learn to live as members of one family and in obedience to your laws. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep our hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be amongst us and remain with us always. Amen. People involved in today's podcast are John Mason, speaker and writer, and Carol McCormick, a member of Emmanuel Anglican Church, New York City. Prayers are from an Australian prayer book, 1978, and the opening and concluding music is from St Andrew's Cathedral, Sydney, under the direction of Ross Cobb. Please let us know if you have a question or a comment about this podcast. We'd love to hear from you. You also may like to listen to For the Cause from Keith and Kristen Getty at the Getty Music website, www.gettymusic.com.